Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I'm just glad Han Solo was able to get some work after making the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. I can't believe Coca-Cola missed this chance to reboot the Coke Bear. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I was much more excited about Marijuana Chipmunk, but... It turns out that's just a gateway movie. <laughs> that's just oh, a live stream up for 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Cocaine Bear, uh, which just came out this weekend and uh, came in second at the box office behind uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. By the way, that movie suffering the second worst uh, second weekend ever for a Marvel film, I believe. Um, pretty brutal. <laughs> You're saying it's uh, box draw. office receipts got much, much smaller mm -hmm. really quickly. Wow. You're really, really taking the low hanging fruit on this. One, <laughs> <laughs> it's right anyway. there. It's right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the movie dropped around 69% from its $105 million debut, resulting in the second biggest, uh, biggest second weekend drop in the franchise's history. Um, so, uh, for a Marvel film, so yeah. pretty, pretty rough stuff. And, uh, you know, I think some of the concerns we brought up last week about audience, sure. uh, fatiguing with these kind of movies might be warranted. It's funny the that the guy, the old guy from, I think you should leave is in this movie because it's, it's the stinky meme. Stinky meme. Just apply it to this movie. I can't believe he admitted it. Okay, anyway. Um, so you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Uh, email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on uh, YouTube and Instagram uh, and Twitter at thefilmcastpod. Find us on TikTok at thefilmcast. We're uploading new videos there every single week, uh, including videos of stuff you can't hear on the main feed. Of course, you can get all of our content at patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Got a little bit of film news we want to discuss today, followed by some what we've been watching, and then concluding with our in-depth review of Cocaine Bear. And I just want to say, and Jeff, I'm tempting fate, Jeff. I'm doing it. Yeah, no, right? that's, you've not learned any lessons. Uh, if everything goes according to plan, our After Dark this week at patreon.com slash film podcast, mm -hmm. we'll have a really nice Cocaine Bear tie-in. Yeah. Cocaine Bear himself! <laughs> <laughs> the bear himself agreed to join us. Um, so anyway, look forward to that at patreon.com slash film podcast. You'll be able to see clips on our YouTube and TikTok as well. All right. So a couple things before we get to our uh, what we've been watching this week. First of all, big news broke a few days ago. Here's the headline at The Hollywood Reporter. New Lord of the Rings movies in the works at Warner's and New Line. Oh, man. The studios have struck a multi-year pact with Swedish gaming giant Embracer Group which holds the film rights to the property. Uh, Let's talk about that, by the way. How yeah. the hell did that happen? What? Uh, lots it, of money exchanged. Yeah. Embrace the group a while ago uh, acquired the film rights to Lord of the Rings franchise. And, and, it, and games and books and mm -hmm. <clears throat> music and literally everything. Yeah, merchandise, there's, theme parks, live productions, etc. There's five Lord of the Rings games in production. They're mm -hmm. there's. They're squeezing that stone, baby. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, during a Warner Brothers investor call, uh, CEO David Zaslav announced that, hey, by the way, there's going to be a new Lord of the Rings movies in the works. Um, Lord of the Rings, obviously, was one of the most profitable franchises ever, uh, most successful franchises ever, uh, franchises ever, critically acclaimed Return of the King won Best Picture in 2003, uh, or it was for the 2003 film Return of the King. And... I wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Now, I will start, before I ask you this question, I will say, 
Uh, I say there's at least a 50% chance these movies never happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, th- there's a lot of doubts about whether or not Warner Brothers and Bracer, like, have the fortitude, the budget, the long-term vision um, to bring these movies into dis- existence. It's not like ordering up a movie at a fast food station where you're just like, hey, new Lord of the Rings, please. Like, it takes years yeah. of work and nurturing and it's, creative vision. And it's great- been 10 yeah. years. It's been 10 years. Their alarm clock rang. It's like, oh, 10 years since The Hobbit. Got to get another one cooking. <laughs> right, you know? right. It, it, but it's like, it, it takes work for a lot of work and vision for these movies to come into existence. Work and vision that I don't, think the warner brothers discovery no. group has uh has demonstrated yet so uh, i think there's a huge chance these movies don't happen but i thought we could take a couple minutes and just uh think about what about you know if there were new movies what we think <laughs> about them and divinger hardware i know you have really strong opinions on on lord of the rings films sure. like what, what do you think about the possibility of a reboot of i think sorts? nothing of these like <laughs> i agree with you they likely will not happen but also yeah. There's no way in hell they're going to recapture the magic of like what made the Peter Jackson stuff work. Like those, mm-hmm. those are miracle movies. We've talked about this before, like things where everything just kind of coalesces into kind of like a unique, uh, a unique creation. Um, I'm amazed the Amazon show is like as watchable as it is, because I think like there, there was a lot of like people didn't know if like it was even worth doing that. It took Amazon what it's going to be a billion dollars across two seasons to make that happen. So no, I do not think, uh, WB can do this for movies, and I don't think anybody people may care. I don't know, but I just have no hope for this. So that's me. I, I'm going to put this out of the junior. I know you're not a fan of you know. We all, I think, we're all fans of the original uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes, not as big fans of the Hobbit trash. Uh, I'm just going to put this out there. I think that in 10 years, 15 years from now, people are going to be like, man, people went so hard on those Hobbit movies. Uh, well, people, I'm sure people are doing those, that now. The Hobbit yeah. movies were underappreciated them. in their time. <laughs> I, def- I always defended them to be sure, fair. But. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those I, I, people, I, those people did not have to suffer through seeing the Hobbit movies the way we did too. So, <laughs> you know. oh, yeah, it's true. It's true. The HFR stuff, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's high frame rate. We had to solve me, see them at high frame rate. That looked terrible. Um, but anyway, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on the possibility of new Lord of the Rings movies? Well, I'm guessing that uh, someone at Embracer slash Warner Brothers uh, feels like they have something precious that is burning a hole in their pocket and mm, all they want to mm. do is use their precious so That's very slip badly. it on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. I think the <laughs> thank you. I think the problem here and then we talked about this a little bit on my other podcast DLC. Uh, Christian Spicer brought this point up and I and I kind of wrote it off, but now uh, I think uh, as we have brought it up, I'm gaining a little bit of uh, sympathy with this uh with this notion. I think part of the problem here is that uh, people don't know what to call this franchise. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you say there's going to be new Lord of the Rings movies and people go, oh, you're going to remake the Lord of the Rings? Because the Lord of the Rings is a Mm storyline, not a setting. And I think that if you're going to... I think it's a fool's errand to attempt to remake the Lord of the Rings. It's, It's like remaking Wizard of Oz or Willy Wonka, both of which have been attempted. Mm. And, well, let's uh, let's be clear. Since you're talking about names, right? You 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 think it's it would be a folly to remake the Fellowship of the Ring and the two films that followed that, correct? Incre- exactly the uh, the Lord of the Rings storyline, the trilogy that is the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. has been done to the best it will ever be done. I I don't know. We can't improve on that. Like that mm-hmm. storyline has been put on film in a timeless fashion, in my opinion. 
and I think it is useless to attempt to remake them as films just because time has passed. It, it, it's like, I, nobody wants to, you, if you want to see The Wizard of Oz, you watch The Wizard of Oz. Like, the, you don't need a 2023 version of The Wizard of Oz. Like, it, it's done. We did it. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody tell Sam Raimi, but yeah. I, I understand that. Like I, I said, both <laughs> those things have been done yep. and they have failed and we're going to see another Willy Wonka come out and it's probably going to be subpar also. Um, regardless of that, I think honestly, what Embracer Group and Warner Brothers actually are contemplating is something more similar to what the Rings of Power mm-hmm. has done. And that is more stuff in the Middle Earth Tolkien franchise. Right, right, right. More movies mm-hmm. that take place in that setting. And I think they go, oh, the Lord of the Rings, because that's the shorthand for describing mm. the setting, but it's it's misleading. Um, yeah, I hope we should, that's we, we should clarify. We should clarify that the Fellowship of the Ring. I'm just, I'm just gonna call it the Fellowship of the Ring tri- trilogy for uh, for clarification. I guess maybe that'll make things less clear. But uh, the, you know, the three films starting with the Fellowship of the Ring, Peter Jackson's movie, right? Um, that uh, that takes place during the Third Age, right? And the events of the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, take place during the Second Age uh, in in Tolkien's world. So, so you know, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that um, I think uh, for me, Rings of Power proved something I didn't think before I saw it, which is I will enjoy more things in right, this right. setting. I, I think I really enjoyed Rings of Power. Really enjoyed it. And I think if someone steps up to the plate like Amazon did with a, l- a lot of money and, you know, invests in making it look as beautiful and, and uh, you know, realizes it to the extent that Peter Jackson did, um, I think there is more stuff that I could enjoy in the setting of Middle Earth, in the setting mm-hmm. of Tolkien's universe. And there, it has room for more big budget films. I just think remaking The Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring trilogy is stupid and pointless uh, yeah, and, yeah. and does nothing. But I honestly don't think that's what they're even contemplating. To- I totally agree with you, Jeff. Uh, my thing is, though, um, I, what, what is the Tolkien universe? You know, it is, it is the, the thing that all fantasy fiction yes. pretty much is built upon. So that's I do true. feel like this isn't like Star Wars, where you can be like, okay, we're going to go to the, uh, the, the older age. We're going to go thousands of years in the past. Um, the Amazon show is kind of a miracle that show works, but even that had like Tolkien, you know, underpinnings. They had some stuff to connect it. I, what else are you going to fill in? Um, maybe if you open this up and just let, let, let genre filmmakers do the sort of like do a straight up horror movie in the Lord of the Rings universe, which honestly, Peter Jackson was kind of doing. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we've mentioned this before, but I think horror directors uh, move into genre filmmaking, especially like, you know, fantasy and comic book stuff really well. Um, open it up to more actual horror creatives and let's see what happens there are lots of other stories you can tell i just feel like the universe is so generically fantasy um it is the the source of all of our fantasy fantasy fiction basically i don't i don't know how interesting it's going to be to like go off onto the side yeah i think that's uh, true it's a great it's a great clarification jeff too you know um the the quote from michael deluca and pamela abdi was quote 20 years ago new line took an unprecedented leap of faith to realize the incredible stories characters and world of the lord of the rings on the big screen the result was a landmark series of films that have been embraced by generations of fans but for all the scope and detail lovingly packed into the two trilogies the vast complex and dazzling universe dreamed up by J.R.R. tolkien remains largely unexplored on film 
Hmm. The opportunity to invite fans deeper into the cinematic world of Middle Earth is an honor, and we are excited to partner with Middle Earth Enterprises and embrace around this adventure. End quote. So, they, expanded they are, universe, baby. They they have not. It's not like explicit confirmation, but it's certainly heavily hinting that it will probably be unexplored areas of the world. Who knows, though? Um, I think that there's a huge possibility that they get into this and they're like, wait, it's not going to have Frodo in it? It's not going to have Aragorn? Why did we buy this? You know, like, mm-hmm. I think that it's possible that th- there will be a desire to shove those elements into uh, the movie. And I honestly think that happened to the show in some ways. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So... It's it's possible they come into being like there's all this other stuff we haven't explored yet, and then the market always says put stuff that people recognize and know, and that, that ends up happening in a lot of these things. But well, when yeah. we have uh, you know a a uh, an elf that is transporting baby Gollum across the plains <laughs> of Middle Earth, mm-hmm. you'll know we've jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it might already be too late for that, but anyway. So Jeff, it sounds like you are uh, excited at the possibility, and Devendra, well, you're excited at the possibility if uh, if they do something like really different, right? Yeah, May- they could make a heist movie out of the Lord of the uh, in Tolkien's universe. Stuff. Or Give us the yeah. sort of like what what the uh, the a Green Knight, the know? Green Knight too, like just maybe a little different, maybe a little more. Um, I don't know what you would call it, but that that movie still sticks with me. I know you didn't like that, Jeff, but. Uh, yeah, certainly more enjoyable than the Hobbit movies for me. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, well, the Oscars are just a couple weeks away. And I wanted to just do a, a really quick check-in on what the state of the awards race is right now. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is dominating Whoa. everywhere. Great. Uh, it's uh, it won once. at the PGA uh, uh, Producers Guild Awards. It won at... Golf uh, tournament. <laughs> 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 it won at the DGA Directors Guild. That was a huge deal as well. Um, and then last night at the SAG Awards, uh, it took home multiple top prizes. Um, and it was actually very sweet. They got the last award of the night, and uh, they brought the whole. It, it, the last award of the night was like I think um, ensemble cast for a film. They had already done like ensemble cast for TV show. Um, they they brought up ensemble cast for film up on stage and. Uh, and it basically turned into like James Hong giving a speech, um, like a, a way to honor James mm-hmm. Hong, James Hong, who is 94 years old and remembered a time when, uh, you know, there was w- much more, uh, yellow face going on, like w- white actors playing Asian people. Um, and when people wouldn't put Asian people in films because they didn't think that they could, uh, they could make money at the box office. And James Hong was basically like, look at us now. You know, he was really like, uh, it, it was a really amazing moment to see him in, in the whole history of this guy who's been working in this industry for 70 years, uh, b- basically kind of uh, have a moment, you know, and, and be honored and acknowledged. So I did want to acknowledge that. But now at, at, at this point, it now seems as though everything everywhere all at once is the front runner for the Oscar, um, which is not a statement I ever would have thought I would make when I saw the movie last April, uh, but, or last March, I think it was, but it's uh, pretty, pretty incredible, pretty incredible that like this movie, which is so weird and out there um, is now the front runner. So I uh, just wanted to to throw a shout out for that. Also, you know, amazing to see like Kiwe Kwan and, and Michelle Yeoh continue to pick up, uh, wins last night at the SAG Awards. Um, Kihei Kwan specifically, you know, gave a very moving speech about 
uh, how he, you know, you know for, for many years, he had not been in the industry at all. He'd like excused himself in the industry because there weren't enough roles. And now to come back in this such a big way, it really is kind of like a Cinderella story of sorts. So there's gotta um, be a, uh, a challenge in w- when you start like uh snowballing like that for, mm-hmm. cause you, you, you win the first one. And you go up there and you're like, you give this incredibly stirring, beautiful, emotional speech. Yes. Yes. And you say it, you say all of it. Cause this is, yeah. the, this is the, your chance. You, yeah. you got an award and it's amazing. And you've done this your whole life. And then you win another one and wow. And then like the Oscars is the one most people are going to see. <laughs> yeah. And it's the yeah. last one. Yeah. And you've said all the stuff in a beautiful, eloquent, emotional, stirring way. And I'm sure winning an Oscar has its own emotional weight that will impact you in that moment. But like, you can't just go up and say the same speech again. You know, there's gotta be a lot of pressure to be like, well, shit, should I save some stuff for the Oscar speech? Or, <laughs> I, like... I think that, <laughs> I, I think that actually, as somebody who has watched many of Kiwi Kwan's speeches this season, um, he's done a pretty good job of mixing it up. You yeah, know, like, it's amazing. I think it takes a lot of work. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of like, Invisible, there's a lot of invisible work that you don't see of like consultants <laughs> and like PR people who who are just like helping him and he's like you know what if I give him this and and he doesn't really it's it's honestly masterful to watch it like to because he's like he's making every single awards body feel acknowledged in their own way you know what I mean yeah um but yeah you're right it's 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 difficult I mean you know we've seen I remember when like I think Alfonso Cuaron won four oscars that night or something like that when when roma was up there um and you, you know you, you talk forget about like different awards everybody's jeff the same night going up yeah. over and over again you yeah know? well because you, be you don't you don't want to like bank on the fact that you'll be up again you know you don't want to yeah. you don't want to like save if you have only one chance to say it you want to say it but yeah. if you have more chances to say it you don't want to say it yet you know so yeah. you're like there's this like well crap am i going to be up here again do i get to, do i want to you know Blow my load all, all on the first speech. I don't know. No, thanks for that analogy, but yeah, um, <laughs> the, I I want to uh, you, you know all this talk about Oscars led me to revisit this article uh, that the Hollywood Reporter published last week. I don't know if you guys saw, saw this. There was the Hollywood Reporter published an excerpt from this book called Oscar Wars, where they talked about Envelope Gate. I think we were all watching when yes when La La Land was mistakenly announced as as the best picture, right? Like, yes. Where we, we all mm-hmm. at least saw yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, incredible moment. I don't think the Academy Awards has ever recovered from that moment. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> truly. I mean, I, I, you could make the argument, for sure. I'm not being snarky. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, no. I think truly that it, it has been damaged beyond repair. And we've seen, like, the slap thing. Like, it's yeah. all just descended into irrelevance. It's like an unfortunate spectacle. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But this article is incredible, and I'm just going to ask you guys for your quick indulgence on this, but, like, basically, um, there's just a couple quick passages from this article that I thought were, like, incredible. Uh, A lot of them revolve around Jordan Horowitz, who was the producer of La La Land, and he was was basically the guy who, like, uncovered the the whole thing, right? Yeah, 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 he kind of saved the moment. Um, But... Uh, there was a uh, there was a moment when he uh, Horowitz looked down at the card in his hand, which bore the inexplicable words Emma Stone La La Land, because <laughs> he got handed the best. He there was duplicate cards for best actress, right? Like duplicate cards for everything, mm-hmm. and he accidentally got handed the wrong card. Like Warren Beatty got handed the wrong card. That's what happened. And Horowitz says, "Quote: My overwhelming feeling at that moment is that time stopped. I knew Emma had her card because I had seen Emma's card." 
And all of a sudden I was holding Emma's card and it made absolutely no sense whatsoever. So the only explanation I had for it was like some kind of fucked up magic, some time stoppage magic, end quote, which I just thought was an incredible yeah. uh, way of describing it. And then um, there was one other thing I wanted to mention, which is like with millions of eyes on him, um, Jordan Horowitz had a split second to think. It was very clear. Nobody had any fucking idea what was happening. You could see it on people's faces. Like, what is this person doing? Is this a mistake? A joke? Right? When he says like, you guys want moonlight. You guys want, you know, he, people are like, is this a joke? And that's when out of the corner of my eye, I saw Warren standing next to me with the red card. And I suddenly realized they had to see it. They had to see the card that said moonlight. Like King Arthur pulling the sword from the stone, Jordan snatched the card from Warren Beatty and held it up thinking, I hope this camera operator knows what to do. <laughs> the audience, stunned, rose to its feet. End quote. Anyway, the whole article is like full of amazing moments That's like that. So great! What it's rose? Incredible! Yeah, it's so incredible! Cool. Incredible! So, anyway, my wife like was I, you know we both read the article and my wife was like I got to watch the moment again and like <laughs> it's amazing watching the moment again after having read the article because this article is basically like a director's commentary for that that video yeah. you know um, so I, I highly recommend it. It's um. It's an excerpt from a new history of the Oscars, uh, Moonlight uh, and La La Land envelope gate over at the Hollywood Reporter. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's really it's, good. Um, it's it's pretty fun to do the the uh, you know mental experiment to uh, imagine what happens if he doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was the biggest concern was they didn't fix it before the event was over. Right. If 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 they all you just know. look and go, oh, something is weird, but I don't want to break decorum here. You know, we we just got to like right. sign off, and then later, what happens? What happens? Does the, <laughs> the the Academy just like issue an apology? Do they? What, do I they? Know. It would have been so catastrophic. Don't correct it at all. Yeah. You know, like that yeah. is. It would have been crazy. It would have yes. been way crazier than what actually happened. Yeah, and what already happened was already wild. You know, so, already wild. Yes, it, <laughs> but yeah. Did you, did you guys hear this? That the the Oscars has like a. Basically, a strike team this uh, this year. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but basically, they uh, they they have this thing called a crisis team. Uh, I'm reading from the Guardian. A crisis team will be introduced to handle any unanticipated events. Just after th those guys wearing black masks, you know, just hiding <laughs> at the stairs to jump on stage. Will in case Smith gets out of his chair, and people just <laughs> repel in from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, the idea is that they they felt they they were unprepared. For what happened, you, with the think? you think, and and, yeah. and he says, Academy Chief Executive Bill Kramer said the new team had run many scenarios <laughs> in the in the hope they will be prepared for anything that might take place. Oh, we need a we need like a a serious uh, sketch show about that. <laughs> I would love to see uh, what are, what are the many different. scenarios? Yes, running? let's He's bring serious. on the most chaotic people we can. <laughs> oh, Andy my. Dick to test out <laughs> Chris Tucker. Just put them in the test audience. And, let's and, see what happens. Andy Dick has stormed the stage, sir. Like, what do we um, do? Man. Oh, go to Plan Alpha B. You know, like dude, I, Alpha Two. You know, like yeah, what Jimmy that? Kimmel needs to just do a whole mm -hmm. show about the. <laughs> You know, like the, you have like uh, uh, celebrity impersonators in the audience who's like, man, Will Smith has stood up or like, you know, like it's, uh, <laughs> Angelina Jolie has gone rogue, you know? <laughs> can you believe, can you believe that that, it was a year ago that the slap happened and now the, we're having another Oscar? Like, who knows what crazy things will happen at this year's Oscar? Honestly, oh. more people are going to tune in now. I feel like the schadenfreude is going to be very real. So. I, I would like you all to recall that at the time, we can get the tape. Mm -hmm. I said, 
Next year's Oscars, there will definitely be jokes about it. It will be so, mm-hmm. so un, mm-hmm. uh, unimpactful to modern culture. Like at the time, it was like this transgression. And it will be so irrelevant to modern culture that we will be joking about it in a year on the actual broadcast. And I hold that that is still true. I, you watch, no, absolutely. It's absolutely yeah. going to happen. Well, we will see. We'll see. And we'll Who, who's uh, the host this year? Jimmy is Kimmel. There... Oh, boy. Yeah. He, he is uh, he's solid. He's solid. Yeah, you know? He he's he solid. can be a little chaotic when he needs to be. Totally. So, yeah. Well, apparently it's like uh <laughs> reading that that Oscar's history, it's like the uh, uh there's a segment from it about um uh, here, I'll, I'll read here. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel wanted to sneak in a busload of tourists during the ceremony, a stunt <laughs> that took weeks of planning. Um, at another point, candy parachutes would rain down from the ceiling for the stars to grab at. Uh, and in the event that President Trump tweeted about the Oscars during the broadcast, Kimmel would live tweet at him from the stage, an idea that proved technically complicated as his phone screen had to be projected onto the set. End quote. So yeah, Kimmel uh, definitely he goes for those. He doesn't have the technology every Twitch streamer has. Yeah, he loves uh, the intensive... facing camera. Oh my God. He loves the intensive bits. So we'll see uh, what plays out at this year's Oscars. But yeah, uh, we don't talk about award ceremonies very much during mm-hmm. this podcast, but uh, we will be talking about the Oscars results uh, when they roll in. So look forward to that. All right, that's a little bit of film news for you this week. Let's take a quick break for some sponsors. We'll be right back with more after this. All right, folks. Uh, the great Noah Ross, who made an audio bumper for our, I think, our weekly plugs music, um, also made a, uh, a, a a bumper in the event that we wanted to have a corrections segment. Oh, okay. Um, and so I'm going to play this corrections segment from Noah Ross. Here. Jeff messed up again. It's <laughs> the audio bumper from uh, Noah Ross. Because we know uh, I'm the correcting. only one that messes up on the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I'm just gonna play that one more time, uh, just for people can hear it. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. That's the best part. Well, the bad. reason I bring that up is, first of all, thank you to Noah Ross. The reason <laughs> I bring it up Ross. is because uh, I think on last week's episode of the show, I might have implied that Sharper on Apple TV Plus was one of the first A24 movies on Apple TV Plus. Uh, might have indicated, not not implied. I might have said that it was one of the first A twenty four films on Apple TV Plus. That is not true. Um, Sofia Coppola is uh, uh, somebody writing in from an email address uh, called Seated Ovation wrote in to say uh, one of the first major movies on Apple TV Plus was Sofia Coppola's On the Rocks from A twenty four Plus, Tragedy right, yeah. of Macbeth, the Oscar nominated film Causeway. The Sky is Everywhere, an undervalued teen movie, and my favorite documentary of 2020, Boy State, uh, were, all 20, uh, were all A24 films as well. Um, Seated Ovation also says, I thought Sharper was the worst one of all these movies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, thank you for that email at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. See, Jeff, the first uh, Jeff, Jeff messed up, up again. Not that bad. that bad. It's actually a David Chen error, you know? So yeah. no, uh, I wanted to call that out. That's good. That's. I'm glad I still somehow own all the mistakes that you make. <laughs> Patron saint of mistakes. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Um, so thank, thanks for that correction. We try not to make mistakes on the podcast, but uh, sometimes it's inevitable. Okay, uh, let's get to what we've been watching. Devinder Hardor, I want to hear what you've been watching this week. Sure. You know what's a good movie, guys? Titanic. Yeah. You know what makes Titanic even better? 
in 3D, Woo! baby. I saw one of the last greetings of the new Titanic 3D re-release um, last week, and uh, I have to say, pretty good movie. Still, still a very good movie. And um, you know what? The, I've only ever seen Titanic on the TV. In 1997, I was like 13 years old, and I had no interest in this movie. So, wow. you know, that was that was my fault back then, and I never really got a chance to see any other re-releases. Um, I, I think like 10 years ago, there was another 3D version, right? Um, I have to say, um, still a good movie, and I have a few thoughts from this. First of all, this 3D re-release is very, very good. I don't know how it compares to the last one, um, but it's it just feels really, really seamless, and it really sells a sense of scale. So when you're dealing with a big-ass ship, um, you really feel it from like when you're looking at it from afar or if you're in the middle of a crowd scene. Um it really kicks in though, like once the last hour happens. Like once you're in the sinking Titanic, once you're seeing the iceberg approaching too, it is it is a little surreal because like the depth of it, it it is like that iceberg is slowly going to be coming out of the theater screen. And I really appreciated that. And then yeah, just everything about the final act, like you know, when when the boat is starting to tip over, when everything is pretty much vertical people are falling down, you know, they're hanging on to the, to the sides and they're falling straight down. There's that wonderful angle. Um, just looks amazing. You really get that sense of depth and, uh, and height and everything. So just wanted to say, um, it was worth checking this out. I don't know if they're going to be bringing it back. And, uh, with the depth of, uh, Blu-ray, like 3d Blu-rays, really, I don't, I don't know if like, how, how will people get a chance to see this again? It is very strange because well, it, well, it is a 3D, it is a 3D up conversion though, right? Like it yeah, wasn't it is, originally it, it was not originally shot in 3D. So yes, clearly. I don't so I don't really have a super huge affection for the 3D version of this film. You know, I would love to see a 4K release at some point. Yeah, but do you, you have not seen this 3D re-release? I, I believe like, I have not seen this. Re- I saw the last one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw the last one. Um, but anyway, uh, and this is upscale. Like this is a remaster of the movie too, I believe too. So this is like the the prettiest movie will look. It's just weird that, yeah, we will probably get a 4K Blu-ray of this at some point. It's just like you you will never really be able to experience uh, this thing the way it is. But I suppose that's true of Avatar as well, right? It's, so, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really it's even worse because uh, PlayStation VR two just came out. Mm-hmm. I have one. I know you reviewed it, Devendra. Yep. No 3D Blu-ray support in PlayStation VR that 2. That is weird. Weird, disconcerting, very frustrating for me because I guess because they never implemented it in the dis like in the PlayStation software itself. So you can't do it without the VR. It, so yeah, they well, never they never did it in. You can't do 3D Blu-ray in PS5, mm-hmm. right? So right, the yeah. but, uh, PlayStation VR, the original, was a mm-hmm. great way to watch. I mean. The headset itself was subpar as far as yeah, yeah, the, yeah. your screen resolution. And I was very much excited about trying 3D Blu-ray. I have several, including mm-hmm. the aforementioned Hobbit movies on 3D Blu-ray. Um, Good God. But, and I was very excited about uh, checking that out with PlayStation VR 2. No support, no planned support. It's a shame. It's, it, it would be the best way to watch these movies in that format that we have mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, as 3D TVs have, have gone the way of the Dodo. But uh, no, no, no luck. No such no luck. No such but luck. But you know what? I do feel like, um, hey, maybe they just re-release this every couple of years. You know, like maybe that is the deal. Like, and this is one of those things. Like maybe this is your new appointment viewing, right? Where you can't fully get it at home. You can't really rewatch Avatar 2 or 1 the way it's meant to be seen uh, at home. You just got to go to a re-release at some point. And I, I would not be mad at that. Um, yeah. 
this movie still rules. Uh, a couple of thoughts. Uh, a reminder of why I didn't like uh, DiCaprio in the 90s. Um, he's not really doing much for me in this movie, but man, is Kate Winslet good. Man, yeah. is freaking Bill Paxton. Just, mm-hmm. just like a really fun, um, you know, I, I don't know, like a he's like almost like a cheesy Indiana Jones type. Like he is basically a treasure hunter, but he is, he, first of all, he looks like that is peak Bill Paxton. He is so (laughs) handsome in this movie. Um, but also like, he's so so charming in that movie here. Oh man. Um, a couple of other thoughts too. Like, um, he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a James Cameron surrogate. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Going down to, to Titanic to hunt for, for treasure instead being entranced by this love story. But also being sort of like the anti James Cameron, right? Because he wants to do it for the money, for the treasure. He's basically Mm. a treasure hunter like slash scientist on the side um i man we could have had more with that character something he's, he's just so interesting my other thing is goddamn, like you're just the beginning of this movie um rose is just wearing a giant ass locket and <laughs> at no point in the beginning of this movie is anybody like grandma what's that two ton you know locket you're wearing what 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 could be in there um the treasure hunter i'm looking for this like heart-shaped diamond if only I could find a heart-shaped diamond. Hi, old lady. Just come on to my boat. I'm not going to question anything about you, even though you like you have a clear connection to this past. Um, she's wearing it as she's coming onto the boat too, I believe. I'd always just find that funny. So uh, anyway, <laughs> what's been amazing for me is Titanic was such an enormous part of my uh, like upbringing. I guess mm-hmm. I would say like it was every. It was such a huge deal when that movie came out. Jeff, we've already talked about how. Um, nobody thought that movie would succeed. Like right. people thought yep. it was catastrophic. Yep. That he's it was like at that point, I think one of the most expensive movies ever made. And yeah. um and so people thought it would fail. Then it comes out, it's one of the best movies of all like biggest movies of all time at that point. Um and uh, what's been amazing for me to as a way to feel extremely old is to see people basically watch this movie, uh, if not on the big screen for the first time, for the first time ever. Uh, because of this re-release, right? Yeah, and it made me realize, like, oh wow, how much time has elapsed since this movie actually came out? Like, this is the 25th anniversary, right? Um, so well, it's very depressing to hear Devinder say he was 13 when it came out. Yeah, man. <laughs> I was I was working at the movie theater in high school when that movie came out, and I must have watched uh, the same 15 minutes of that movie. I had a, I would get a a 15 minute break. Uh, almost exactly the same time as the shit really hits the fan as the as the ship starts to go down mm, and i would stuff. go in yeah. and stand in the back of the theater and watch that 15 minutes over and over and over because it's so crazy mm-hmm. um mm. yeah it was fun yeah but i i'm really glad that people are uh getting to discover it for the first time you know like i'm used to movies like you know mad max Fury road getting a re-release and it's like oh you got you get to see it again on the big screen this is like this is many millions of people's first opportunity to watch yeah. it on the big screen. Yeah. Um, and, and th- th- this brings to mind like the Lord of the Rings thing too, right? It's like, you can't remake this movie, right? right. In the future? No, you just, you shine it up and you bring it to holographic mm-hmm. screens or whatever else we're doing <laughs> in the future, you know? But yeah. we, we are at a point where we have so many of these touch movies that you can't touch. You, you, you just kind of have to like keep, keep them in the culture, keep upgrading them. And uh, yeah, this is one of those for sure. I, I am what I'm really terrified about, you know, with Lord of the Rings movies is that they're going to do everything on the volume, 
you know, um, and it's going to look like Ant-Man <sighs> and the Wasp Quantumania, you know, like that's uh-huh. what I think where I, I mean, the Hobbit was already starting to look like that in many ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, you compare that to the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, you know, people where, are hiking up hills. Yeah. And it's like, Jesus. Helicopter it, shots. It's incredible how yeah. that movie looks. But I, you know? I think I'm heartened by Rings of Power because th- that movie, that show is not that. That's true. That movie, that, that show does look very good. You I just have to spend a billion dollars. You just have to, to spend a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly right. right. Well, okay. Well, that's Titanic 3D. I think it's still available in a, a couple theaters if you're lucky. Yeah. And you should watch it on the big screen if you've never done that, which I now Worth realize may, maybe many of our listeners were not alive when that movie came out. So uh, that's what Devinger Hardware has been watching. I want to talk about a few things. So Party Down, season three. This show is back, guys. This show is back. And watching season three led me to rewatch seasons one and two. And those seasons are still really, really brilliant. Like the writing mm-hmm. is so sharp on those shows. Every episode is such a beautiful, like self-contained little episodic piece of storytelling while still having long running themes. Um, it's amazing. If you don't know what Party Down is, it's about a group of misfits uh, who work at a catering company called Party Down. They're trying to make it in Hollywood um, while working in the service industry. And the show ran for two seasons on Stars before Stars' priorities changed and they decided, hey, we're actually into shows like Spartacus now. You know, like we're not going to do comedy anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then the show was canceled. Um, but then in the era of peak TV, it feels so weird now because the original two seasons felt like a miracle to begin with. Yeah. Then yeah. it felt like, oh, there's streaming wars. Everyone's got to like load up on as much content as they can. So then this thing was greenlit like last year. And now that the streaming industry has collapsed, in mildly collapsed in some ways, it feels like a relic of a different era again in some ways, you know? It, 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 um, it, it's a show that will appear whenever things look down, right? Because it also appeared right after the financial crisis. Mm-hmm, I feel like a lot yeah. of people were hurting. Uh, Rob Thomas, one of the creators, also created Veronica Mars. And I can also feel like his his sort of like feelings about working within the network system, like there's yeah. an acid, there is an edge to yes. Party Down that not many other shows had. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and the core of it, so I read this oral history of Party Down over at The Ringer, which is very good. Uh, and the one of the Genesis's, Genesis? One of the Genesis's? Genesis's? <laughs> Genesis's? Um, was the Can You Hear Me Now guy. So mm-hmm. Paul Rudd says, quote, there were all of these, always these commercials for Verizon. The can you hear me now guy? Those commercials were just everywhere, ubiquitous. And we thought people know that guy. And no matter where he goes, people are probably saying, hey, can you hear me now? <laughs> this guy probably moved to L.A. to be an actor. He might be very, very good. And he must have a love-hate relationship with this campaign, which has afforded him health insurance, which has given him recognition, but also handcuffed him. Because what do you do after that? Is it hard to get work if you're just known as that? Uh, end quote. Anyway, so that's kind of the Adam Scott character in Party Down, right? He has this beer commercial and the, are we having fun yet? You know, like it's, uh, and it's it's amazing. It's a great kind of perspective on Hollywood. A very depressing, as Devinger put it, acid perspective on Hollywood. The second season received, uh, the second season finale received 71,000 viewers. Good God. Uh, th- that is very bad. There are uh, many episodes of the film cast that have been downloaded more times <laughs> yeah. than the season two finale of Party Down. And yet, of the two things in which there are uh, a bunch of losers failing to make it in the entertainment industry, 
Um, stars decided to make Party Down into a show. Stars, <laughs> we're right here. Yeah, I, I don't know why what they were thinking. You know, yeah. Um, is anybody but, a podcaster this season? Like, is there a podcast? <laughs> well, that's one of the great things. Okay, so uh-huh. season three of Party. So anyway, that's a brief history of Party Down. Uh, seasons one and two, critically beloved, great show. Um, was on Netflix for a little bit. I think it's on Hulu still right now. Mm-hmm. You yes. should definitely watch it. Uh, it's all it's amazing. It still holds some of the stuff has aged badly. Like Martin Starr's character is basically like a full blown incel, and uh, you know yeah, I think he, yeah. he, he, that's a kind of character that seems much more like dangerous and toxic today than he did back then, in my opinion. Um, but it's still a great show, in my opinion. Okay, so season three debuted on Stars, and it is very good. Uh, I, I think it's great. I think it's just the same as it was before, but they're trying to inject in new elements to it, right? Um, they're trying to reflect what the uh, the reality of uh, of life is right now. Adam Scott in this oral history says, quote, what those of us a certain age feel about showbiz in general now is, wow, you can just take the phone out of your pocket and make a show. It's just a completely different thing. So I think it's great for um, one of these characters to watch another character make himself a star in between his work at Party Down, end quote. So it's basically like there's like somebody who's on TikTok now. And it's like, it's weird that you are on TikTok. You have like millions of followers, um, but you're still working catering, you know, because you, you can't make a living <laughs> off of, you know, getting millions of followers on TikTok. So, uh, so yeah, they, they have kind of updated in some ways. There's a cavalcade of guest stars on even just the first episode of season three. They're all delightful to see. I think it does capture that same magic. The big bummer of the season is um, Lizzie Kaplan is not in the show. And she was a critical part of what made the original two seasons work, in my opinion. Her chemistry with Adam Scott was really great. She is not in this season. I'm I'm hoping for a guest star appearance, but yeah. Just watch Fleshman is in Trouble and you'll get... Seriously, wonderful yeah, her. Uh, that's probably what she was working on instead of this. I yeah, suppose, well, so. and good choice. I mean, I, I you know, but <laughs> sorry, guys, I'm working on well, one of the show, best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, yeah I can't join yeah, you this season. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Jeff, uh, Party Down was like something we talked about in the OG uh, slash filmcast. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you like the show as well, right? Is that correct? I have a confession to make, David. Oh, you've never oh, seen oh, it. Oh, boy. I, it is a massive hole in my. Wow. Life. It is about me. Yeah, yes. maybe too real for you. And yeah. that's why I yeah. never watched it. I think I watched the first episode and I was like, fuck the show. I can't do this. This is yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Because uh, it was what, 1990 something that it came out? Yeah. Yeah. What, what year What did it, the first episode season come uh, out? 13 years ago? I 2009. Think, yeah, so, yeah. 2000 what? Nine. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. I was already, I mean, I've been here for nine years uh, <laughs> living that life. So yeah, uh, no, I, 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 when I saw this reboot happening or the continuation happening, um, I was like, I'm going to go back and watch these first two seasons. And I just haven't. I just, one of those things that just hasn't happened. But um, hearing you rave about it, and, and I, literally like, all my friends love it. And it was just one of those shows that at the time when it came out, I love how I thought it was the 90s because the 90s was 10 years ago. You know, you guys, you know, guys? the 90s was 10 years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, at the time, I just I was like, no, I can't. I, this is too. This is this just yeah. hurts to watch. Um, I was I was reading this quote. This here's a quote from that oral history from Adam Scott. He says, "quote The landscape of Los Angeles is particularly brutal for someone that has nothing to do because it's so dry and vast and lonesome. But then the thing that you're trying to do, you're not doing uh, because of just unadulterated rejection, not because of your skill. 
it's not like you wrote an essay and they're like, no, they looked at you and who you are and said, no. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have nothing to do. And it's that over and over and over and over again in this giant sunny place. That was my twenties. End quote. That's what Adam Scott said about mine too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the so, difference between me and Adam Scott is that <laughs> he went on to great things. <laughs> and you went on to, you went on to host, a, a, a co-host another show about, Lovable losers trying to make it in the entertainment industry, Jeff. So, you know, I did. Yeah. Same, same thing. Same thing, really. Mm-hmm. In, in many ways. In many ways. But this is yeah, uh, it, the, the, the film cast is my uh, Parks and Rec, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, you may find it hits too close to home, Jeff, but I think it's really, really brilliant. I do want to watch. And now that I've sort of given up on my dreams, I uh, <laughs> I think I can watch it now and, and feel detached and be like, oh, I remember those days when I cared about things and had hopes. You know, what's great. What's great about the show is like uh, th- they make up a ton of fake movie and TV show titles. And they're just like, you know, because all these people who work at the company are kind of involved. They're trying to, you know, they've, they've been, you know, uh, on Becker for 10 minutes or whatever, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's like, and, and so it's funny. They'll, they'll like make up a bunch of fake TV shows and films and they're like really, really sharp parodies of real life things, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, as somebody who is into the entertainment industry, Jeff, I think you'll really, really like it. But, I, I have yeah. no doubt that I'll dig it now. And, and it, you know, it, it's heartening to hear that it didn't have the sort of um, arrested development problem or no, you know, no. I feel like this has I, happened over I, and over where you, they bring the whole cast back, you know, 10 years, 15 years later. And it's like, Oh, that was a, turned out to be a bad idea. Uh, I'm glad that doesn't sound like that's the case here. I will say uh, two other quick things. First of all, a lot of people are not as positive as I am on this. So like I did hear some mixed reviews, but I thought it was great. And I will also say this, if you want to get back into the show, I would recommend watching the season two finale. Um, if well, you I'm going to watch the whole the thing. I'm yeah, yeah watch... no, I know. But if you're out there, and oh, I see. many, I think many of our audience has probably already seen the show because we advocated for it greatly back in the day. Um, I would recommend watching the season two finale again because it does uh, have a lot of details that I think um, are continued in the season three premiere. And it might have been over 10 years since you've seen the season two finale. So uh, so check that out again. But anyway, Party Down season three, Stars is having a big sale where they're like $20 for three months or, you know, uh, or $5 a month for three months or $20 for six months or whatever it is. Get one of those deals. Um, subscribe to Stars. I'm probably going to cancel right after the show is over uh, and watch Party Down season three on Stars. Let's take a quick break for some more sponsors. We'll be right back with more what we've been watching after this. All right, something else I've been watching. I had a chance to check out this show called the Va- or this movie called The Vanishing. Have you guys heard of this movie called The Vanishing, um, starring Gerard Butler and Peter Mullen? I've seen the poster. I do wonder, like, where did this Gerard Butler movie come from? This is it a has twi- no, no buzz of the plane, you know, or of plane. Indeed, indeed. This is a 2018 film uh, that is available right now on Netflix. It's directed by Christoph- Christopher Nyholm. I've had a couple of listeners recommend this to me over the years, and. Um, I, uh, thought it was pretty solid thriller. Basically the premise of this movie is, uh, there's these three dudes that, uh, are lighthouse keepers and they go to this lighthouse, uh, on this Island called the Flannan Isles, uh, off the coast of Scotland. And in the real life story of the Flannan Isles lighthouse crew, those three people were never seen again. 
and they never knew what happened to those people. This is all Did the stuff I'm saying. they eaten by a cocaine bear? Mm, perhaps. All, all the stuff I'm saying happened, like, is revealed to you in the first, like, 10 seconds of the movie. Um, now, this is a kind of drama, fictionalized dramatization, so um, no word from me on whether it ends the same way. Uh, but uh, this is a pretty pretty solid thriller, and I watched this movie because, guys, you guys know I'm a fan of Gerard Butler, Okay. I'm a Gerard Butler fan. There's something to me that is really interesting to me about Gerard Butler and his performances because the guy almost always seems like he is in agonizing pain. You know? <laughs> like, there's something about this guy's face where he seems like he is continuously in a state of physical torture and mental torment. And I find that a little bit compelling. And uh, I'll just say, I got what I wanted out of watching The Vanishing. This movie delivered for me in the sense of a Gerard Butler uh, tortured performance and uh, I think if you're looking for a, a decent thriller it's it's not a bad one there's some some cool moments in it it's uh, it reminds me of The Lighthouse honestly which has a similar plot I don't know why we send dudes onto deserted islands <laughs> with like no entertainment no way of calling for help and basically you're just like expect everything to be okay you know what I'm saying but in both The Lighthouse and The Vanishing it doesn't go well for the people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's just like, guys, like, stop sending people to deserted islands. Um, it just is not a good... I do, do, three dudes are meant, not meant to talk to each other for hours at a time. Okay? Uh, and you will find that out if you watch The Vanishing. Or listen to the film cast. Or listen... I, that's a, yes, yes. That's what I was trying to say. Um, so, that's The Vanishing. It's available right now on Netflix. Decent thriller. Okay. Uh, what else? Oh, I wanted to give a quick shout out for Physical 100, which is this uh, reality show I brought up uh, a few weeks ago. Um, it has since aired its finale. And it's a South Korean show where they're basically trying to find the perfect p physique. Uh, and in order to do this, they invite 100 of the most fit people in South Korea and subject them to a series of increasingly punishing physical tasks and challenges where they need to compete with each other until only one person is left standing. Uh, this is an incredible show. You're watching the most fit people on the planet perform feats that you never thought were even physically possible. It's an incredibly wholesome show. Everyone is so encouraging and friendly, and they honestly feel like they are honored to even be in this competition at all. You know, they, everyone feels like they're happy to be there. They're grateful to be included. Um, whenever any one of them is like competing, everyone's like cheering that person on. Um, and then the ending, I'll just say, I'm not going to say what happened, but it did shock me. I was stunned by how this thing all wrapped up. It was not what I expected. And it, it, I, I, I was legitimately like, you know, in a moment of just utter shock watching the final episode of the show because there's just so many amazing moments. Um, I got to recommend it. Like, but you know, my wife and I watched this. We started watching the show. We didn't know any one of these people who were on, like a, a lot of, some of these people are famous in South Korea. We didn't know any one of them. By the end, we were so invested in like how many, which one of them would win or get to the final rounds. Um, it's just a really satisfying experience. I'd highly recommend it. The show is physical 100. It's streaming right now on Netflix. And, um, yeah, I just had a great experience watching it. So that's another thing I've been watching this week. Jeff Kanata, tell us what you've been watching. I checked out a new show on Amazon Prime uh, called The Consultant. This is the new Christoph Waltz show. It's based on a book I have not read. 
Uh, and I watched the entire series uh, of The Consultant, which I believe is eight episodes. This um, is rare. This is rare for you, Jeff. You typically uh, the the more common thing I hear happening on the show on the podcast is you watching like one episode or two episodes or ten minutes of an episode and then piecing out. So the fact <laughs> well, that you made it all the way to the end—that's not accurate. If I like a thing, <laughs> if I like a thing, I'll watch all of it. Or... That's a yes. normal way of watching things. Yes. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, that you're casting aspersions on me. I... <laughs> no, I, you would only I, watch ten minutes of everything. What? I was trying what to say that? you have very—I was trying to say you have discriminating taste when it comes to these TV shows. Okay, well, it came out all wrong. Anyway, Jeff, go ahead. All right. Well, the consultant—I <laughs> mean, to its credit, uh, they're half-hour episodes, so yeah. there's that, and there's only eight of them. So you know, uh, we're not talking like eight hours of TV. Um, so the first, here's my experience of watching the, cause I, I love Christoph Waltz. I think he's awesome. And yeah. he is awesome in this show. I watched the first episode of the show and was like, what the living fuck is this? Mm -hmm. What is this show? This is <laughs> batshit. This show. And then, and I was like, I got, I don't know. I no idea what this is, what's happening, what's going on. I gotta watch another one of these. And then like five minutes into the second episode, I went, oh, oh, I get what's going on. And then the rest of the episodes, I'm like, well, I gotta keep watching to make sure that I know that I was right about what's going on. And the show never explicitly comes out and tells you what's going on, except for the fact that it has the most on the nose needle drops in the history of television. <laughs> Literally, it'll do needle drops where the lyrics are e describing exactly what you're seeing on the screen. <laughs> and I, I believe in like episode four-ish or five, somewhere around there, there's a needle drop that confirms my suspicions about... And the, the show is very coy and, and is like, oh, maybe it's this. And I think it is that. I'm not going to say what it is because... You know, that would be a spoiler, but I think it's pretty clear what it is. And what I think it is, and what I think the show sort of tacitly confirms that it is, is uh, something that is a common trope in literature and, and storytelling throughout time. Uh, and uh, But I think this show does it in a way, if I'm right, that is uh, in a way I've never seen before. And it's... Okay, so I'm talking around a lot of stuff, but the, yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of masterful how you're not revealing anything. I'm not even joking. Yeah. Oh well, thank you. It was the, it was all in Christoph Waltz's head. The no, whole time, right? not that. The, the, <laughs> so he, the show is what is the show about? Uh, on the, on the most surface level, the show is about a video game company, a mobile mm -hmm. video game company, uh, whose uh, founder and sort of wonderkind, uh, um, how do, in the first episode. Uh, dies okay uh and a consultant is brought in christoph waltz plays the titular consultant uh, is brought in uh, to make some changes at the company but all of his manner his methodology his demeanor his everything is batshit it's just completely unhinged in the most fascinating but disturbing ways right you, you know what jeff this show is by the creator of servant so this makes a lot of sense <laughs> okay actually yeah yeah um and his performance and his just 
weirdness in it is very compelling. I don't know if I can go all the way to say I recommend this wholeheartedly to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because ultimately it is very un- a very unsatisfying yeah. watch. You I like think. the vibes, huh? <laughs> Huh. It's a vibe show for sure, it, Devendra. It's exactly what I was saying about Servant for four seasons. I don't know what's going on in that show, but but it's intriguing. Yeah, I am intrigued. Well, yeah. that is definitely applicable here as well, Devendra. So you may be into this. It, it is certainly intriguing. It is intriguing to the point where I watched eight episodes in two days. You know, I was like, well. I gotta watch. It. My wife is like, I don't want to watch that anymore. And I was like, okay, well, when you inevitably fall asleep, I'll be tuning back into the consultant to see how this all wraps up. Well, let me tell you, the last episode is not particularly satisfying in my opinion, but the journey along the way, I mean, it's exactly what Devinder said. It's compelling and so different than anything I've ever seen in the sense that like, I think I know what's going on. I think I've got it pegged. I think I got it pegged in like five minutes into episode two. And there is, like I said, there's a needle drop that literally is like saying it to you. Uh, while he like shows Christoph Waltz and then the song comes on. It's like, oh, okay. But, um, but I've never seen anyone do this thing in this way. And I, ultimately what it is, is like, I mean, the show is very much saying like <laughs> that mobile video games are evil, you know, and, and are <laughs> destroying the world, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and it, is a, it, it is a journey into how uh, seemingly decent people can do horrible things. Uh, and uh, you watch them sort of be compromised in certain interesting ways. Uh, and... Uh, it is very compelling. It is very compelling. Again, I can't wholeheartedly recommend it because it is also <laughs> deeply unsatisfying and <laughs> profoundly weird and 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 disconcerting on a number of levels. But it's interesting. It's interesting. And it's I think you would like Surfing Jeff. Like okay. if if you're down with this. Um, although not sure if it's a movie to watch or should watch with your wife because it is troubling at times. Yeah, she she was show. not into the show at all. She pieced yeah. out of the show very very fast. But I will also say. 90% of my interest and in, in continued uh, watching of the show is because of Christoph Waltz. Like he is so good and so just captivating on, on camera. Uh, he's doing some really interesting stuff in the show and like I'm into him. Everybody else in the show, not so much, but him worth, worth showing up for. All right. Very cool. Well, that is The Consultant, and it is streaming right now on Prime Video. That's what we've been watching. Let's do a few weekly plugs. Weekly plugs a part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. I want to give a shout out to my free newsletter, Decoding Everything at decodingeverything.com. This week I wrote a little bit more about Physical 100, the Netflix reality show that I just talked about, and why I think it's so wholesome and awesome. Check it out at decodingeverything.com. Devinder Hardware, your weekly plug. Sure, I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. Uh, we were talking about how AI is kind of infiltrating everything. Uh, there was news about Spotify adding an AI DJ. There's news about ChatGPT books written by ChatGPT, uh, basically infiltrating the Kindle library. Uh, yeah, this stuff is not going away. So we are keeping an eye on it in the on the Engadget podcast. 
Oh yeah. Um, there there might be a future after dark featuring some of my my own AI experiments at some point. Um, okay. But um, I'm looking I, forward. I'm to waiting for the disturbing. day you just you you have like AI versions of yourself, Dave, and you do mm. a whole episode just just I, talking to yourself. How do you yeah. know that isn't already happening? That's yeah. True. How do you? Know? I, I don't know. How do you know you're speaking to a human right now? I don't. Um, know. Tell me something only Dave would know. <laughs> Uh, does not compute. Okay, anyway, Jeff, <laughs> what's your weekly plug? Hey, I make personalized uh, limericks for people. Personalized, uh, handmade, individualized, just for you, bespoke uh, limericks. Limericks. I enjoy the limericks, and I do it on my Cameo page. Uh, for any occasion, people have, have, have really enjoyed these, and I enjoy doing them. And you can purchase one at cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. They're great gifts. People have been giving them as gifts, um, you know, for really any occasion. It's fun. Give me a little info about the person. I make a limerick. I deliver it uh, on video to you and add some some uh, personalization as well. Uh, check out my five-star reviews on my Cameo page. Uh, over 100 five-star reviews. So uh, give it a shot. Cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. I, of course, also want to give a shout out to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. The folks at Patreon are the ones who are keeping this podcast going during a very challenging economic environment, and we really appreciate all of them. This week, there's going to be a really cool surprise, hopefully, on the After Dark, but we'll see. I don't like tempting fate, uh, but I do it anyway. I do it anyway. Uh, of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them any financial hardship. You can always support us for free by leaving a star rating for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast or just share the podcast on social media. All right, let's get to our review of Cocaine Bear. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's more this out there. They dumped it somewhere. I'm looking for my daughter. Forest is a dangerous place. Hey, Henry, check it out. Something got into it. A deer, maybe. A lot of cocaine was lost. I need you to go and get it. No, 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 don't eat that, don't eat that. Let's see what kind of effect that has on <laughs> The bear, it fucking did cocaine. Did cocaine. Welcome to the film cast review of Cocaine Bear. I'm going to read the plot summary for this movie from IMDb. An oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converge on a Georgia forest where a huge black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine. End quote. This movie is written by Jimmy Warden and directed by Elizabeth Banks, and it features a great cast and a fairly original premise. Yes, it's based off of a real-life story that happened, um, but in a world that is overloaded with IP-driven franchises and superheroes and so on, uh, it's a breath of fresh air to have a movie like this that isn't based on any existing property show up at the box office and do pretty well. That said, Devinder Hardwar, what did you think of Cocaine Bear? Did you think that this was uh, worth the audience's time uh, this past weekend? I think that was a pretty good trailer. You know, just this hearing that trailer again, that sounds fun. I want to watch that movie. Sure. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I come down on this movie really feeling like it is more meme than movie. And it is a strange sensation because I went in really wanting to enjoy this movie. I went at, for a 10 o'clock screening on a Friday with like a half, half full theater. Like there were people that people were amped up to enjoy this movie. 
And for the entire runtime of this movie, silence, dead silence. At the end, two guys clapped because that's what you do for a movie meme, right? You, you, you clap because you experienced it like Nicole Kidman for the AMC thing. Um, I, I did not enjoy this movie much. And it's very strange because it has so many things I like. It has actors I like. Um, it's basically an American's reunion in, in many ways. Um, it comes from a bunch of creators, uh, creatives I enjoy too, typically. Um, I just didn't find it very funny. Like, that's the thing. Like, you got all these elements. You got the you got the meme-worthy cocaine bear. You've got some good stars. You've got <clears> Carrie <throat> Russell in a wonderful 80s outfit. Um, but it wasn't funny. Like, very little of it made me laugh. Very little of it felt inventive. And it did feel a lot like the trailer of somebody just shouting, what if a bear did cocaine <laughs> at you several times? Like, that is it. it. You have little kids shouting it. You have gangsters shouting it. Um... I, I just, it just felt really weird and disjointed, not very funny. I was comparing this, um, you know, after I saw this, I rewatched Megan with my wife. And that really made me think, like, man, this is a good movie. Like, this this movie is a B movie. It is very meme worthy. But um, I think there is a lot more going on. I think it's more fun. I think it's genuinely funny and inventive at times. Um and co- I just did not really feel that about Cocaine Bear. Also, I was thinking back to like Barb and Star, which is another like very, very weird comedy. But I think I had a lot of fun with that just because it was it it made me laugh. Um, it gave me situations I've never seen before. A bear going on a rampage. Sure. I guess sounds great on paper. I just I did not really care for much of this, which is a shame. I enjoy a lot of B movies. I, there, there's so many of these things I want to enjoy. I'm still trying to figure out why this movie genuinely bored me. At times, like I was falling asleep, um, which never happens. Guys, I went to a 1030 showing of Titanic and I was wide awake for that entire time. Um, so it, it is just very, very strange. Like, I, I feel like something is off with this movie. Like, maybe I wish it was a little funnier. I wish there was a, a little more of a spark of inspiration or something other than the concept of what if a bear did cocaine? I think You know last... what would have kept you awake, Devendra? I, I, yeah, I need some. No, the kids don't do don't do drugs. Caffeine, caffeine is what I was. Yes, say. yes. yeah, sure. I think the sure. last time, I think the last time a kind of um, mo- a movie was made and released just off of seemingly the strength of an internet meme mm-hmm. was probably 2006's Snakes on a Plane. It's, it's very Snakes on a Plane. Yeah, very very similar to Snakes on a Plane. It's like what isn't it a funny concept? Snakes on a Plane. Now that movie, um, I think made around. Uh, 18 million or 13 Absolute million failure. on its opening weekend, yeah, and was considered a failure at the time. Cocaine yeah. Bear made 23 million dollars, which is not that much more. It's and very well reviewed. The audience scores yeah. are very high. I feel like I'm in crazy town because of how little I enjoyed this movie. So that's just me. If you enjoyed it, I'm glad. Well, I'm the, very the, glad. The, yeah. the cinema score is B minus, which okay. is which is okay if it's a horror movie. Not great if it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think it has a little bit of both elements in there. Uh, Jeff Kanata, curious what you thought about Cocaine Bear. Well, Dave, I love it when you step all over my my limerick. Let's. Uh, oh, I'm so the, sorry. <laughs> that's fine. It was just seconds away. I should have just it's gone a, to you first and yeah, then made right. my comments. Too. It's all seconds right. Seconds away. Seconds away. What I thought about Cocaine Bear is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Similar to Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> Very original, Jeff. <laughs> to know if you'll be entertained, the only thing vital is to read the title. Will you laugh at a bear on cocaine? <laughs> and if Nicely the answer done. is yes, I think you'll have a good time with this movie. Mm-hmm. The answer for me was yes, and I mostly had a good time, but I definitely sympathize 
with what Devendra is saying because I don't think this movie goes hard enough. Mm -hmm. There are, I don't know, three or four truly great moments in the movie Yeah, that I was having a blast with because what you want out of a movie called Cocaine Bear that's rated R is some great grisly kills, some, some funny, you know, funny over-the-top kills. And there are some. Yeah. There's about three or four that are just chef's kiss fun. Agreed. Uh, and in those moments, I was like, yes! But they are too few and far between, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, I found most of the characters, the characters in this movie, to be pretty grating and uninteresting. Uh, and that's a shame because as you have all have both said, there's some really fun actors in that, that are playing these characters and the movie kind of weirdly tries for like uh, some emotional beats, especially toward the you know middle and end. And I think fails completely at that. Um, th there's no like, don't even do that. Why are you even attempting that movie? Um, just give us the goofy fun. We came yeah. to a movie called cocaine bear, like go 110% in that direction. <laughs> and I feel like the movie sort of, does fits and starts in that direction. And when it goes there and it has fun it, and it, we're having a blast, I'm having a blast, but too often it kind of doesn't go there or it meanders into this other thing that I don't care about. And I think it thinks its characters are delightful and quirky and weird. And, and they're as fun as the bear. They're not, in my opinion, <laughs> they're not as fun as the bear. Like we want to see the bear mall people, yeah. We don't, I don't care about during the, every minute. I'm thinking, uh, where is the cocaine bear? When yeah. is it going to show up again? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't care about the dude with the goofy accent who's hiking. Like, I don't, I don't, it's not funny and fun. It, it doesn't land well for me. It, it's not, it, and there's a lot of people doing what they think are very funny things. Uh, what's his name from um, Modern Family is like, what are you even doing, man? Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like, we think this is hilarious, clearly, as the filmmakers, and I don't think it is. But when the movie goes there with the mm -hmm. bear, I'm having a great time. So I had enough fun to say, yeah, if you if you hear the title Cocaine Bear and you think that sounds like a fun time, you'll probably have enough fun with this to justify going to see it. But it's not a home run, and it could have been a home run, I yep. think. Yeah. That's all fair. I think I am probably liked it about as much as Jeff, maybe slightly more. I think I just really appreciated seeing something original on the big screen. <laughs> How know, many like... times can we say this? We say this every time there's an original movie. I'm like, okay, yes, yes, it is great. It is great that this is not a comic book movie. This is not an IP. That's that's not enough. You got to keep me awake. Your one mission is to entertain me. Yeah, I walked I... out. I, I went to take the bathroom halfway through this movie, and I just did like a sigh of relief. To be out of that, wow! To be in another space, wow. like wow. oh, I can. Okay, okay, I'm gonna go use the bathroom here. Feel back that. into back fun. into cocaine bear. Yeah, yeah I, I I had fun as well. I mean, I th I think there are uh, Jeff. There are a handful of characters. I agree with Jeff. What, what Jeff said about like when this movie goes hard, sure. that's when it is at its best. I think there's a handful of like great characters. Honestly, it's great to see Alden Ehrenreich in a movie. You know. You guys um, will enjoy okay. really seeing him in the Netflix movie that he's coming to because yeah that oh was yeah, yeah 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 um what which movie is that called Devinder do you remember the one it's like an erotic thriller about yeah. uh, traitors yeah yeah but like um, did you care at all about his journey his emotional journey no. in the movie he has no, a dead wife or a dead yeah. girlfriend basically fair, That's it. fair play is the name of the movie um, yes 
And uh, no, I didn't really care that much about his journey. But it's just, it's just like, hey, he this is the guy. so much time on it. That's the guy who played Han Solo. And now he's, uh, he's still getting work. <laughs> Look at him now. Your Look bar now. is so low on this movie. Bro- Brooklyn Prince. She's the Florida Project girl, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You know, she's in this movie. Carrie Russell. Felicity, and also she had a few <laughs> seconds in uh, Rise of the Skywalker. Beloved character actor, Mark Were you Mark just pointing Mark at the screen? For every Dave's, like, enjoying, hey. Dave's enjoying this like a family guy clip. <laughs> hey, I remember uh, that. Uh, yes, that, that's all true. And I, and I will also say, I kind of like, to the extent that this movie has any lesson or message, it's don't fuck with nature. <laughs> Do you know? It's that when yeah. the, when the sure. work of mankind collides with nature, nature is an unfeeling, uh, cruel beast, mm-hmm. and one is best served by getting out of the way. And um, I think that's something that's a message we all always need to hear. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. You, you know, <laughs> there's so many movies that do this kind of thing. I'm thinking of like the beginning of The Host, right? Bong Joon Ho's The Host, which basically starts with American scientists going like, let's just dump all this radioactive waste in the river. What could yes. happen? You yes. know, there, the yes. thing about this movie is that it just starts with, well, the bear has cocaine now and the bear is crazy. <laughs> and that's the joke. It is, mm-hmm. it is the Simpsons thing. That's the joke. And I just feel like, it was the, just saying that's the joke yeah, over I, I and mean, over again. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a very misanthropic, nihilistic movie, right? Like, I, I don't think there's like, hey, if we all band together and keep cocaine out of the forest, everything's going to be fine. It's just no, this more is like, a movie where kids do cocaine. So. Yeah, no, it's no, not. No. Yeah, it, has, it's like, it doesn't it's take like, a position on cocaine at all. Honestly. To quote, yeah, exactly. To quote Samuel L. Jackson, who started Snakes on a Plane, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell, basically, <laughs> is kind of yeah. what, what this movie's perspective is. <laughs> that movie has lines, at least, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I, I had fun with the movie. I do think that it peaks at around the two-thirds mark. Yes, And then kind of like... Oh, the last act is... The last act is not... What is even... Right? Like, what? Yeah. The, Carrie, the last act is full of, like... Ru- all yeah, the Carrie Russell stuff is just like some really baffling decisions. Um, but when but it does have some really great highs, so to speak. And it does. Uh, and I do think that for that reason, um, if you I, I unlike Devendra, I think if you read the title of Cocaine Cocaine Bear and you you get a little titter and I you, would I, w- I wanted to have a little titter. <laughs> That's just yeah. You watch the trailer and you're like, that sounds like fun. I think you'll watch the movie and, and have an enjoyable time. So anyway. Yeah, that's Let's what get I said in my sp- limerick that you stepped on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's get the spoilers for Cocaine Bear starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're going to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right, couple things worth discussing. First of all, the the two thirds mark right is uh, the scene when the paramedics show up and then like everyone yeah. gets completely Margot Martindale right? face down on the pavement. Yeah, <laughs> best part of the movie. Best incredible part of the sequence. Movie. It's an incredible because yeah. it's it feels so out of control. Like it feels yeah. like everything's just spinning out of control in a way that like, uh, and that like what happens next is not like 
there's no take backsies on like what happens next. It it did feel so. like up until that point, this movie was wasting Margot Martindale and also wasting bringing Margot Martindale and Carrie Russell back together after the Americans. I don't know if you guys like watched up till that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was a straight up Americans reunion, so that those were fun things to see at least. Yeah, wasn't the other the dude on Americans in there right too? Right? Yeah, the the beginning opening. Yeah. Months, her husband. Oh yeah, that's husband. right. Yeah, yeah. He was he was uh, th- wait, that was an amazing shooter. scene too. Matthew Rice. Yeah, Matthew Ma- Rice. Yeah, Matthew Rice. Who, um, yeah. who was like throwing stuff off and like dancing and throwing stuff. That was an, I thought that was incredible. The, the movie opens really promisingly. I thought. Is it accurate to say that to the extent this movie is based on true events? Is that cocaine was lost in a forest? Cocaine was lost in the forest. That's the uh, extent I guess right to which next to the me, movie. Because I live right next to Chattahoochee uh, National Forest. Like the Chattahoochee River is like less than a mile from me, so th- it's in my backyard, basically. Yeah. Literally everything else is made up, but the mm-hmm. fact that some cocaine was lost in, over the forest—that's the—that's the jumping-off point. I think the Ray yeah, Liotta uh, character is real, or well, no, the the the, uh, the bear <laughs> the uh, bear did ingest cocaine, but he died. Yeah, he died. <laughs> He died. We don't know what happened until then. It was a 175-pound black bear who died of an overdose of cocaine after discovering a batch of the drug. Which, if you if you think about it, guys, this bear is really horrible anti... I'm sorry, this movie is really horrible anti-bear propaganda, right? It like, is. It is. Can you imagine, like, you're, you know this bear, your relatives of this bear that died after ingesting cocaine, and they're like, what if the bear went on a killing ramp? <laughs> it's like, not cool. Not cool movie. Not cool. Not cool. Um, Not cool. But uh, yeah, I thought uh, the the stuff. It's by the way, this is like I think Ray Liotta's probably last theatrical performance we're ever going to see. Good him God! In. And I thought he was pretty good. He was pretty like unhinged and out there. Um, Ray but, Liotta. Yes, unhinged and out there. <laughs> so that was all great as well. The final third of this movie, which takes place almost entirely in darkness. I did not think was great. I, Explain I think, to yeah. me one thing. Yeah. How does the girl get out there? Yeah. What, You're asking she, questions keep, this movie doesn't care about. Yeah. Fundamentally, yeah. like the entire <laughs> yeah. plot hinges on the fact that Carrie Russell is looking for her daughter who is far out in the forest. Are we to believe that the bear picked her up and carried her that distance? Is that what we are supposed to believe i think she was leaving a trail like, of things yeah, yeah. Well, why, why was she continuing to move i don't know man. the way i thought yeah the way i i, <laughs> I saw it in my head was like she was moving of her own volition and the scare the bear kind of like well then pushed why her was in she, that direction it makes no sense because a the bear's not there we know yeah. where the yeah. bear yeah. is mm-hmm. it's not with her because we keep seeing sh- moments with the bear that aren't with her yeah but they, it explicitly says the, the little kid, the obnoxious little kid says the monster got her. Yeah. And it is so she's gone so far. <laughs> it makes zero sense. You know, zero sense. Jeff, you often talk about rules in, in yeah. genre movies. I feel like this movie needed just something like what you, you can't just be like a bear did go cocaine and now crazy shit is going to happen. Right. Like it. <laughs> Uh, motivation for the bear who is the bear who is the cocaine bear um because yeah the opening scene is the the, the already high bear mauling some uh, some hikers basically very unsympathetic the entire last act is bears a mommy we gotta we gotta protect yeah. the mommy and protect the cubs and i'm like i w- we just spent the whole movie being terrified of the bear, uh, you know, tearing people apart limb from limb the, the bear can climb trees and everything and uh it, it's a very weird twist and it just feels like there's humor there. Like there are jokes they could have been making about this whole situation or about our relationship to wildlife that 
just kind of left on the floor for us to spend, uh, you know, time moping with Alden Ehrenreich. The the way the ending plays is so weird. It's so weird. First of all, we get this weird time jump where everybody is in this cave. They've all found the bear cave where the where the cocaine is. And then the cubs are doing the cocaine, which adorable. We're supposed to, the audience is supposed to think cubs doing cocaine, adorable. And then we get out there. And so now the cubs are our emotional connection point, right? Because Ray Liotta's kicking some cubs. Not sure, cool, sure. Ray Liotta. Yeah, That's cool. how we know he's ev- truly evil. We love those cubs. We want those cubs. We want mom to come and, and maul Ray Liotta. We get that satisfaction of seeing him dismembered. But before that, what happens is Ray Liotta bests mommy bear. And the only thing that is powerful enough to bring her back to life is the glorious power of cocaine. So cocaine plays like the magical pixie dust at the end that brings the hero of the story, cocaine bear back to life. It is a weird, weird ending. What? Why is that weird, Jeff? Um, Well, because the whole, like Davidra just said, the whole movie (laughs) is, it's like, it's like at the end of Jaws. Here's a question. Yeah. No, no, no. Listen, let me finish this. If at the end of Jaws, we found out that Jaws had baby Jaws's. Which we found out in the sequel, right? I guess we did. There's family. The the idea is that we would, but we now we feel for Jaws as a creature and the only thing, the thing that has made Jaws want to murder people is the thing that saves the baby Jaws's and makes Jaws murder the bad people. It, it is. Sure. Now, now we're cheering for Jaws. Right. Yeah. Isn't that, you don't think that's bizarre, Dave? The, the other well, movie. I, I was, the question yeah. is, the question, right, is who is the hero of this movie? There isn't one. <laughs> because it's cocaine bear. I, I, I'm, rooting cocaine the co- bear. I'm rooting for the cocaine bear. From the start? Even though it's just killing innocent people for no reason. From the Other start of the movie, there. you're rooting for it, cocaine is, bear? It is killing people because people have messed with its environment. They're just hiking! <laughs> the hikers, are, they're not leaving trash. They're not, not, they're not, not desecrating nature. Not the hikers specifically. I'm talking about mankind, the royal we. Mankind in general. Yeah. By dropping packets of cocaine. I think you dropped this pail you're carrying for this movie, Dave. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so, so from the start of this movie, you were rooting for cocaine bear? Um... I don't Those know about German seem very nice. I, I don't they know from the start, but I think, I think you are meant to sympathize with Cocaine Bear. Yes. No. I, 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 what? Or, or, or if, not, if not sympathize, then at least respect the power of Those cocaine German bear. tourists were having a lovely romantic date, going for a stroll. <laughs> They've been traveling the world, seeing nature. They just have love and respect for nature. And what happens? What is their reward <laughs> for loving nature? Cocaine Bear. Well, first of all, I, mean, I, I think the, the, the movie explicitly codes them as very annoying people. So, And also, it, wow. it does have that moment with the butterfly for the cocaine bear at the beginning. So I, I, yeah, I, I kind yeah. of see your point. I yeah. think, I, I genuinely think the hero of the movie yeah. is cocaine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cocaine is played as, as a very positive substance throughout the entire movie. Well, this is the thing, is I think that it is... It, all right. First, first of all, I, I'm gonna grant this. It does feel like there is a bunch of stuff cut out of the movie that feels really weird by the end. And, sure, and sure. In particular, yeah. there's a moment at the end, like I actually liked O'Shea Jackson Jr. and his whole performance in this movie. Like the part where he beats up the three guys in the bathroom, I thought was awesome. Um, but there's a moment at the end of the movie, and, and like the standoff that he has with the detective, I actually enjoyed mm-hmm. that for the most part. 
there's a moment at the end of the movie where like Ray Liotta's gonna uh, kill that cop, that dirty cop, and then he kind of like steps in the way of like yeah yeah, Ray and it's like where did I this come from? Like what is where did what, what happened the, to that cop? Yeah, what, what is the whole arc here with uh, like it feels like that's supposed to be like the defining moment sure. of that character and or his relationship with that cop that we never even have any access yeah. to i guess yeah. that so, cop's dirty we assume at the end basically right. like i guess yeah. you know like what is sure it, it just feels like there's a whole subplot well, that was left out of the movie right there's but, also this the weirdest thing happens at, at the end where they do a, like a flashback to yeah. oh my that was the, the weirdest effing so thing i've ever seen weird, in my life right because it like, clearly it that it feels like they shot it like it was going to be in sequence, it was like the getting most... into the cave. <laughs> okay. And it was literally like, well, we're cutting all of this out, but man, that's a really important point. So let's just, we'll just flash back was... to it real briefly. I was so freaking weird. I, like, <laughs> right? my, the whole time, I, my, my mind started like spinning. I was like, <laughs> why did they do it? Like, because, because I, I was like, I was like, they must have figured out that like it wouldn't make sense for them to show it in, like, they, for uh-huh. some reason, they didn't want to show it in sequence because. Maybe because here, here's my theory. Here's my theory. Okay, is um, they uh, they they realize, hey, we have all this great stuff, but we got to cut it down to get this down to like whatever a hundred minutes or however long it is, right? So they cut out a bunch of scenes. They're like, boom, 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 cut, 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 and they're like, oh shit, but we need to like indicate that this incredible, like this crucial thing happened because it doesn't match with the dialogue we have for the final episode. Let's just, we'll just put it in flashback. <laughs> Won't people be really weirded out that we didn't just show it? <laughs> yeah, but whatever. We gotta, you know, what, what, the movie whatever, man. comes out so, in three weeks. Whatever, it's man. Cocaine a... bear. Um, the so, thing, so weird. It's so weird. So, uh, just to clarify exactly for these those who are listening who don't know what happened, basically uh, towards the end, they describe something that ha- like characters describe something that happened earlier in the timeline of the movie. But they did not show you that during that, the, you know, earlier in the movie. It's part of the timeline that we literally time jumped over. <laughs> yeah. We like so time they, jumped over this thing that happens. And then they're like, well, it's really important that you need to know it. So yeah, we're going so to do a they flashback. Fl- they show it as a flashback, which is just like the most weird thing. So, yeah, so yeah that, that I think that does kind of confirm my theory that like there was probably some arc with like O'Shea Jackson Jr. And, and that that woman that like is mm-hmm. never shown for sure okay for sure. so anyway my point is I, I think i'm not saying that the movie has no problems the movie has like a bunch of issues i think that actually the final act doesn't look very good it's all in darkness it's when, like, awful the cocaine yeah. bear looks the best in daylight you know i think like, overall the cocaine bear yeah. effect is very it's well done very convincing not bad. yeah not bad yeah. cocaine yeah. bear climbing a tree looks really good like yeah. I, I like a lot of those things yeah yeah um, um you, but but, but anyway, <laughs> I, I think my point is um it, it does seem to me that the movie is kind of an explicit reaction uh to the overly prudent uh approach that we had against drugs in the 80s and 90s right like sure, sure, just, sure. just yes. say no like it's all, all yes. that footage is shown at the beginning and it's basically yes. like wow like um the you know the war on drugs is terrible this this attitude we have in society against drugs is terrible yeah. yes and like we're gonna show um we're gonna have a movie as you said jeff kind of showing how awesome yeah. And powerful cocaine can be. <laughs> I guess you know, nothing's can... wrong with cocaine. We can show kids having cocaine. It's yeah. safe. It's for the children. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, now, whether you agree with that as a message or not, <laughs> which I think like, it's very reasonable to say cocaine is terrible and you should use it. Maybe um, not, yeah. It's like, it's like, hey, I'm glad that we have this dialectic in society of uh, a <laughs> bunch of people in the government saying cocaine is terrible and then sure. this movie saying, hey, what if uh, cocaine could be kind of cool sometimes? It's it, like, it hey. It just took us 25 so, years. Sometimes or, yeah, 30 years. the two sides... Can work together to produce something fun. Okay, so the thing thank you, I've been, I rest yeah. my case. <laughs> I want to, I want to say, watching this movie, it also reminded me of a movie I really enjoy that I watched way too often, and that is um, the Tamara Davis film. Uh, wait, uh, sorry, marijuana Half chipmunk. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, <laughs> marijuana yes. chipmunk. Half baked. Talk about marijuana chipmunks. Mm-hmm. Now, half baked is a movie where weed is basically a superpower is like so Mm. essential to everything happening in the movie. And I think the difference there too, is that um, Dave Chappelle may, may, it may have been known to partake in, in, you know, a toke or two. Um, He has an understanding of it. And they kind of like that movie just has like sweet characters. Like, that's it. It's just, it's vibes. It's people hanging out. Oh, they have a simple, clear mission they're trying to accomplish. Oh, there's a relationship he's working towards. It's all very clear. They don't, they don't have like, five different uh storylines that are trying to converge on one thing and it's just like an understanding of like okay what can you do with that concept it is that that movie is the john stewart scene you know of uh you know have you ever seen uh was it have you ever seen a squirrel on 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 marijuana on weed on weed that is basically this entire movie and i just felt like you you could have done more maybe maybe bring in some of those you're right that like half baked does do a, a good job of capturing like the culture yeah. Of like the people who use that drug, it's um, a better movie. Yeah. Arguably, Cocaine Bear captures the culture of people who are into cocaine. You know? I, I well, know because <laughs> Elizabeth Banks has talked about she's never done it. She mm. has no clue about this culture. So how about this? Um, and, wow, you're really hey, you're really gatekeeping the Cocaine really Bear directing the culture. Movie. Uh, <laughs> listen, in the eighties, only the 80s, cocaine users can tell their own stories, Dave. But listen, this is Hollywood in the <laughs> 80s. Um, guess what was powering all of those movies? All yeah. of Scorsese's movies. Like, get, yeah. get to, just get that person on tap to be like, hey, how does this, is this, does this feel right? No, you're right. Scorsese like should culture? have directed this. Scorsese um, should have directed this. Yeah. I, I, I love Elizabeth Banks. And I love her. I'm, I'm glad her. She, she can make a movie like this, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of really fun moments in this movie, and I want to enumerate those. I don't want to just yeah. drag on yeah. this movie. But yeah. I do think... This movie would actually be way better if the entire Carrie Russell, Carrie Russell's daughter, little kids is just excised completely whole cloth from the movie. Just make it about awful Mm -hmm. people trying to get their cocaine back and the bear mauling them. They also wanted it to be an Amblin movie. Like that's the thing. It's part Amblin movie, part like so many different things. None of the heart stuff, the, 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 the kids and the heart and the mom and the love all none of that landed for me at all and it just drags the movie down it slows it way down it ruins the third act the fun is these despicable people and yes. you can have some fart fart you can have some heart <laughs> you can also have some fart if you want you can have some heart with um uh what's his name the Ray Liotta's son's character right he's mm-hmm. the sort of you know reluctant right. participant here you could get that kind of uh, audience surrogate or like sympathetic moral character out of that you don't need to inject like these kids and this mom and like none of that worked for me at all and i think it, it really is to the detriment of the entire movie like the fun we're having 
is watching terrible people get mauled by a cocaine bear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Margot Martindale stuff is so fun and all of that crazy, all the the like thug kids, uh, yeah. they're yeah. fun. Like all of that's fun. Yeah. But yeah. They're having like this wholesome element, like <laughs> And the, why? One thing I want to point game. out, um, we keep saying it's about the bear mauling terrible people. No, the bear mauls everybody, buddy. Like the, the bear yeah, yeah. That's what, is that's an what amoral. Said, yeah. That's what Jeff's saying, I think, is like, yeah. is like you throw in all these like nice people in there. And it's mm-hmm. like, I think Jeff is saying the pleasure of the movie is watching terrible people get completely annihilated. Right? Sure. Yes. Like, that's that's when we, and but the thing is, many of the people that get annihilated are nice people. You know, yeah. like the paramedics. Margot Martindale, less so. She's pretty mean during the course of the movie. Yeah, um, she's she's fine. She's just a she's a lady who wants this guy to <laughs> well, like. Well, she does that's shoot a kid is. in the head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that's you that know. was pretty great. She was but, she was she was pissed off because those damn that teenagers. Was, that, was, that was bad. Damn teenagers. <laughs> that was yeah. that was a critical misstep for her. Jeff, <laughs> yeah, were there really, any? Were there, you know. She seems very unconcerned after that moment. You guys just really, these German tourists, you guys are just throwing under the bus here. I did. I want to shout out another scene that I thought was great. And I I think the entire sequence at the gazebo is beautifully uh, um, conceived, right? Having a person on top of the gazebo with the thing you want. Yeah. The people down below, he's got a gun. You can't get any close. You're hiding underneath the gazebo. Like all of that situational and sort of spatial dynamic is it was so fun and it's so cool and it makes for a fun scene they can talk to each other but you step out you're gonna get shot he literally does lose fingers like the all and that line best line in the entire movie is how did he lose those two fingers they aren't even next to each other <laughs> yeah that's my yeah. favorite line of the entire yeah, movie that's very good that's uh, but that whole sequence, and then the bear like falling on him and him being underneath the bear that entire sequence i thought was excellent yeah. and i don't want to just dog on this movie because there's lots of fun stuff in it yeah yeah i i think for me at the end of the day the movie is almost a metaphor or, or like the plot of the movie is almost a metaphor for the movie in and of itself you know in the sense that like here is a movie that just dgaf about anything in the same way that the bear does not you know because it's uh, high on cocaine it's just gonna get into the u.s box office and just destroy <laughs> movies left and right 80 for brady you're fucked <laughs> knock, for, knock on the cabin. My 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 issue More with the like movie is that knocked it does, down by this bear. Okay, it does G A F. You know, it does. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Like, I wish it didn't give a fuck more. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted. It, the problem is the end is like, oh, the mom has to jump off into the waterfall to save her kids. It's like, yeah, but it's it's also a movie called Cocaine Bear, which is like. That inherently limits how much you can market this movie. In fact, this YouTube video will probably be demonetized because we're talking about a movie called Cocaine Bear. You know, like, so I think that um, there is something like bold about being like, hey, it's not based on anything. It's it has cocaine in the title. It's a really willful misrepresentation of how dangerous bears actually are on cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make it anyway. The good news is if we're going to be demonetized. We got nothing left to lose. What do you guys want to talk about? We got nothing left to lose, Dave. We could say anything right now. Um, yeah, 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 indeed. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you had anything specific in mind, but uh, you, should go, you should go look down the list of things that can get you demonetized. Yeah, yeah. yeah see what you want to talk about. Talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Jeff, when you think of something, you let me know. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, pretty, any other uh, thoughts on Cocaine Bear before we wrap up for today? Uh, um, no, I, I had fun with it. I agree with a lot of the problems you guys had with it, but for me, it's also like, hey, it's cool that there was a movie called Cocaine Bear, had some good laughs, had some good scenes. 
that's kind of what I was looking for. But I also understand your disappointment with it. It could have been a masterpiece. I don't think it was. I'm not um, asking for a masterpiece. <laughs> I watch a lot of B movies. I just, <laughs> yeah, I wanted it to be funnier. Like yeah, take yeah. take that dial, that funny dial. Yeah, click click. click. Funny. <laughs> it is. It is. I don't know if it quite works that... like that. But okay, go ahead. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> it is ironic that I don't think anyone actually snorts cocaine in the entire movie. It's, yeah, it's all it's all eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sort of just like, you know, fundamentally just putting wrong information out there, you know, you know mm-hmm. for the kids. Indeed. Well, at the end of the day, it's really impressive that Elizabeth Banks made a movie called yes. Cocaine Bear. <laughs> and that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Become a patron at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Sign up for ad free episodes, exclusive After Darks. Hopefully a fun surprise for you on this week's After Dark if everything works out. Um... And next week, it's going to be Creed 3. going to be the main review for oh the podcast. Creed 3, uh, Michael B. Jordan's directing a Creed movie, and I'm excited to see what he's yeah, going to bring. Shot to in Bible. IMAX, too, for his mm-hmm, first movie. Mm-hmm, Love it. Mm-hmm. So look I forward to that. Kang is in it. Mm. Indeed. Indeed. That's, that's one of Kang's many uh, variants yeah. is, uh, in, in the movie. So it uh, should be fun to check out Creed 3 here on the Filmcast. A big thanks to you for listening. A big thanks to our patients, uh, patrons for supporting us. We will see you later.